Today we have an exciting announcement followed by a discussion about commercial real estate with Jason and Ken Diagostino. The big exciting news is that Jason and Ken have partnered with Preferred Shore on a new commercial real estate entity to establish a platform that enables Preferred Shore realtors who are interested in pursuing commercial real estate brokerage activities the opportunity to benefit from specialized commercial marketing as well as Jason and Ken's extensive experience and leadership in commercial real estate. If you've ever been curious about how residential real estate brokerage differs from commercial real estate, I think that you will really enjoy this discussion and enjoy getting to know our new partners better. Without further ado, here's Jason and Ken Diagostino. Welcome to the Preferred Shore Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Milligan. So Ken, Jason, welcome to the Preferred Shore Real Estate Podcast and the Preferred Shore family. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Excited to be here, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I know our audience, first of all, would love to just get to know you better on a personal basis. So maybe, Ken, if you could start, uh, share your background in commercial real estate. Well, clearly by my age, I've been at this for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I started as a retailer and worked my way through my retail career to being head of operations and head of the real estate, which meant we were handling all the leases and new growth, et cetera, for the retailers. Mm -hmm. I shifted from there to a rather large mall developer and redeveloped a mall in New England as part of my sh full shift to real estate. And then I joined a group out of Miami that would today be called a REIT. Back then they were called Limited Partnerships mm -hmm. and managed 5 million square feet and did a number of rather large leases and big deals. Now that particular company had a variety of real estate. So we dabbled both in industrial office, retail, multifamily. So we did a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I then went from there, I came to Sarasota and while the opportunity was there to move to Chicago, I decided to stay in this great city. It's a good decision. Stay in Sarasota, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. It's worked out well for me. Mm -hmm. And I joined a developer here in town. We developed about two and a half million square feet of retail and office throughout the southeast. We worked with Home Depot, Lowe's, Publix, Winn-Dixie, Upton's Department Store, Dress Barn, many of the, the larger retailers that mm -hmm. were available for that kind of development. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of that. When I got tired of traveling, I decided to stay home and did some condominium development and then opened up my own firm in the early 2000s, and that is now what we've been operating at since then. Mm -hmm. And now with jo Jason joining the firm, we've decided that we want to branch out and expand in different ways and be a little more modern. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, I'm stuck in an old way of doing things many times because that's my background. Mm -hmm. So now we're trying to see what the future holds for me and Jason and Preferred Shore. We're glad to be here. We're glad to have this great platform to add to our wealth of experience. Wonderful. Well, we're certainly delighted to have you both as well. And um, if people haven't um, recognized by the common name, um, Jason is your son. So yes. <laughs> you're <related>. Some say. <laughs> <laughs> but Jason, tell us a little bit of your background. And uh, you, you got out of college a few years back. And yeah, I graduated a couple years ago. Um, I have some experience in the corporate insurance and personal insurance industry. Um, I'm a licensed insurance agent here in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for a couple of years and just decided it was a little too dry for me. And, you know, I grew up watching my dad in this business and, you know, I decided uh, to go this route. Right. Excellent. 
So, you know, I'm curious, um, maybe we can talk just a bit because I think that the main vantage point that our audience will have is we I have discussions all the time. There's a lot of residential agents that, that are in this, this region in Sarasota, Manatee County, Charlotte County. And, and it's a common theme that residential agents are often curious what it would be like maybe to potentially transition into selling commercial real estate. That, that's a pretty common thought for most residential realtors. So I'd, I'd love to just, you know, to have a general discussion about commercial real estate and what that all entails, how it's different, how it's similar. And maybe Jason, if you could start with a little overview of the different um, segments of commercial real estate and what those opportunities are like, how they're alike, how they're different. We as a group have uh, focused on the main, you know, four asset classes multifamily, office, retail, and industrial. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the differences, I believe, are, you know, it's, it, it's common to think that it's less emotional mm-hmm. than residential. Um, you do see some emotion in it, but it's more investment-oriented, and mm-hmm. that's what really attracted me to the industry. Okay. Um, and commercial real estate in particular rather than residential. I see. Yeah. And I think that that's the lens that a lot of our audience is going to be looking through. Um, a lot of residential realtors are curious what a transition to commercial real estate would be like, if that potentially would be a better path for them to go down. So if we could, I'd love to just elaborate on that further, some of the similarities and maybe some of the nuances between the different asset classes. And well, I'll let J- Jason answer that sure. because it really is around the analytics mm-hmm. and because of his background in his degree in finance, he's become very skilled at doing those analytics. Yeah, I agree. So commercial real estate's um, definitely different than residential. It's more investment driven, more analytical, more numbers driven. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not looking for a home for your family. You're not looking for a home for yourself. It's more, um, it's all investment driven. So people are buying things for an investment. They want a certain return. Everyone has a different criteria of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a little more analytical. Yeah, I think also that um, it's interesting with a home, there's really not that many different uses that you can have for a home. I mean, you live there or you, or you don't, you know, but um, with commercial property, you know, industrial can be a wide variety of, of business activities as it could be commercial um, um, office space. So, um, you know, maybe if, if you don't mind elaborating a little bit on nuances or why investors would prefer industrial versus multifamily versus office, um, you know, what, what's appealing in those different asset classes? Yeah, so people like multifamily because everyone needs a place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different types of multifamily. There's class A, B, C, you know, class A would obviously be the luxury apartments, mm-hmm. you know, the luxury condos, stuff like that. But um, for investment reasons, it would be the apartments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone needs a place to live when the economy crashes. Mm-hmm. You know, back in 2008, people still had to live somewhere. Right. You know, people still needed somewhere to go every night. So um, what's interesting to commer- about commercial real estate is that we need it. Mm-hmm. We need it. You know, we need a place to live. We need somewhere to run the businesses out of, which is the industrial warehouses. You know, today in the Amazon age and the online shopping age, mm-hmm. um, all these companies need somewhere to store their stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we need places to work on cars, so it's it's something that we need. Right, right. Yeah, so I'd be curious, Ken, to go um, back into your experience over the years. You know, I'm sure you've seen different cycles, different shifts in the market. You've seen, you know, lots of big changes in retail where you yes. started in this business. What are, yes. what are some things that you've well, seen develop? Well, speaking specifically to what Jason was just saying, the buzzword today is Amazon proof. Mm-hmm. Can Amazon affect my abilities and my goals in my investment criteria. Mm -hmm. So industrial, 
was tougher prior to the age of Amazon and deliveries and shipping to your house and just-in-time inventory. Mm -hmm. So industrial is now a favored asset class because of the distribution centers, because of the need to have product local, mm -hmm. which is then shipped directly either to the stores or to the consumer. Um, so it's new to this very hot market, if you will, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Right. Uh, over the years, I've had hundreds of thousands of square feet of industrial, and it was always a slow process to find that right user and fill that industrial. Now, with people shipping and the increase in trucking and the increase in delivery services, that's growing. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about Amazon proof, most people focus on retail. And I look at that and I say... Some retail should never have been built or it shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Does a town like Knoxville, Tennessee, for instance, need two Victoria's Secrets to satisfy its market? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. So in the push to grow and develop, sometimes we go too far. I see. And so when we talk about Amazon proof, everybody needs an apartment, just as Jason said. Everybody needs that place to live. If you can't afford the class A plus anymore, you move mm -hmm. down to the A minus or into the B apartments. So it is somewhat recession resistant. I won't right. say proof, but it right. is resistant, re uh, recession resistant. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> retail is booming again. I was just listening to a report that Tampa's retail vacancy is down to 4.5%. That's amazing mm -hmm. when you look at how it was a few years ago. But new retailers, innovative retailers are joining this process. We're getting new kinds of restaurants, new kinds of retailers, new kinds of entertainment facilities that are now absorbing. And when you look at the total real estate absorption in the Tampa major market, mm -hmm. it's been amazing over the last couple of years. Yeah. Now that's helped by job growth, helped by low unemployment, helped by good salaries and, and people needing the, 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 I'm sorry, the businesses paying more to hire good employees because mm -hmm. they have to, because the competition's there. Mm -hmm. So everything is now getting, to some extent, Amazon, let me back up. We're used to Amazon now. Mm -hmm. We know how to deal with their impact on our real estate investments and our right. real estate portfolios. Right, right. And I, I, I totally, I, I agree. And I think um, that obviously there's been a huge shift to logistics as, you know, the yes. shipping with Amazon and, you know, moving all that product around. And I think, is it also fair to say maybe that retail has become a little bit smaller and moved away from the big box retail to the smaller retailers, kind of like the Tesla at the mall where you don't yeah. have a giant car lot, you just have a little To some space. extent, that's mm -hmm. true. The retailers that didn't stay relevant, mm -hmm. Sears, JCPenney, some of the others, they didn't stay relevant. Mm -hmm. They didn't stay in price competitive, promotion competitive. It wasn't exciting to go into those stores. Mm -hmm. That's all going to change. Mm -hmm. The stores are now trying to seek excitement. Mm -hmm. You take a look at the book business, which was my initial beginnings. Barnes & Noble, you can go in and buy a book. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to an exciting bookstore where things are happening and events are, are, are happening. Sure. Now, that, a new group has purchased Barnes & Noble. Mm -hmm. They're out of England. And their plan is it to make it fun to go mm -hmm. in and buy things at Barnes & Noble. Sure. So you're going to see that shift. 
that shift is going to continue to occur and is part of the evolution of retail. Mm -hmm. So the old traditional mall like DeSoto Square Mall in, in Bradenton, it wasn't very much fun to go there. Right, right. So those shifts are going to occur. So when we talk about big box, Best Buy has managed very successfully to be relevant. Mm -hmm. Circuit City did mm -hmm. not manage that transition. Right. So it really depends on how creative and how innovative the board of directors or the advisors of the retailers are. Yeah, yeah it comes down to management at the end of the day. Yes. Retail is not dead. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Retail it's, it's is not, not dead. No. no, absolutely not, but it's, it's pivoting, you know, as mm -hmm. everything is always a moving target. So, uh, you know, again, back uh, a bit to, to a, a residential realtor who's just curious what life may be like as a, as a commercial realtor. You know, in the immediate Sarasota area, it seems as though that there's more uh, opportunities in residential real estate because of the luxury, luxury real estate we have in this market. But we also, of course, have our downtown St. Petersburg office, and we operate quite a bit on the commercial side, at least you do, and bring that volume over, over to Preferred Shore in the Tampa market as well. So as, as a commercial realtor, do you see more opportunity in markets like St. Pete and Tampa, or is that a misperception on my end that there isn't as much here? Well, I'm going to start that and hand it to Jason because mm -hmm. he's been working a lot in some of the, the place that I think that works. The more houses you have, the more services you have, the more opportunities for, like you have the listing up in Oak Park. That is the smaller service-oriented can you take that from there? Yeah, I think um, specifically to answer your question, the Tampa market, St. Pete market has grown tremendously in the past couple of years. We're seeing a lot of national investors um, investing in those two markets. Mm -hmm. um, St. Pete has blown up in the past couple of years. Um, and we used to, you know, a couple of years back, a lot of our clients did a lot of investing up there. Um, we found that there was better product than Sarasota. Sarasota was a little bit more saturated. Okay. Um, but nowadays, you know, with these big investors coming there, and I think it's a little bit more saturated up there as well. Mm -hmm. Now, another um, interesting component of being a commercial agent versus a residential agent is leasing. And um, the, the lease turnaround time on basically connecting the dots and helping a customer and getting paid can theoretically be a bit shorter with leasing. How does that typically work? It can be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some leases are longer and harder to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably have a little over 10 million square feet in my background. Is that Jason, all? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tried to expand it, but I didn't get more than successful. Um, but for me, doing a 900 square footer, and Jason and I have debated this over the years, doing a 900 square footer can be as rewarding and as valuable because you're building that relationship. The big thing that I want to point out is you can have a customer for life. Mm -hmm. A customer will stay with you. You advise them through their business. And I'm thinking of some of the things you've done up at Portal and some of the, the stuff you've done in Northgate recently, where those people will follow you for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the smaller leases and stuff like that, you, you definitely build a good relationship. It's like a first-time homebuyer, for instance. Right, you know, right. It's rewarding. Um, the people are sometimes more grateful that you've helped yeah, them. And, yeah, definitely. You know. And I know what most realtors are thinking is how quickly can I get paid? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, the, so hypothetically, if you had a customer that was, you know, a smaller business looking for a thousand square feet, you know, typically, and, and you found them something this week, you know, you spent the next few days and, and, and then did, you know, find something to actually make a commitment and sign a lease on, you know, how, when do you get paid on that activity? Uh, well, once the lease is signed and the deposits are made, 
you know, you just invoice the uh, landlord, and mm -hmm. that's the trick is getting them to pay you as fast as you know. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but it's ordinarily a yeah. Pretty yeah, there's a quick turnaround quick time. Turnaround. I mean, a week or two. Yeah, yeah. So Sometimes a, more, a, you know, they get more so, complicated. So you can make money a little bit more quickly leasing commercial real estate versus the typical 30, 45, 60-day closing time frame on a, mm -hmm. on a residential sale. Yes. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that that would be appealing to a lot of residential agents if they're considering pivoting to, to commercial is the mm -hmm. ability to get paid a little more quickly on certain deals. Cash flow is important no matter whether you're the, the investor Mm -hmm. the broker or a tenant. Absolutely. Cash flow is what we all live for. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, we've seen many examples over the years of people who have many assets, but um, poor cash flow and uh, that, that can create That's difficult. Um, some serious dilemmas, mm -hmm. even though you have all these assets. So yeah, absolutely. So another question that I have is um, that, you know, every commercial deal is a bit different, of course, different size, different scope and um, different feasibility study requirements. Um, the perception is that these larger commercial deals take much longer. Is that typically true or not, or? Well, you've seen me struggle with that. Some commercial deals, like I just did a couple of leases with a big mall developer out of, the, um, out of Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and they can take upwards of eight, nine months to negotiate the I language see. and mm -hmm. the, the rest of the deal. Um, then you should get paid half up front and half when the tenant opens okay. of your commission. Mm -hmm. But you know, you've, been, you've had the luck of getting paid within a few days mm -hmm. of yes. signing a lease. Some of the leases, uh, if you have a good, good landlord, good owner, they pay you pretty fast. Yeah, that's great. Um, but we've had you know, big deals, seven, eight million dollar deals that close in 45 days, mm -hmm. 50 days. Mm -hmm. So you know, the bigger the deal, not always, the longer it takes to close. Um, but it can definitely, uh, can definitely get there depending on who the owner is, who the buyer is, who the seller yeah. is, you know, the complications of it. Right, right. Yeah, and, and if we um, think again from the residential agent's perspective, you know, what are some challenges that you may face in commercial real estate that you don't um, often face in residential? Boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <clears throat> and I, I, I might flip that over to Jason because... Jason's first sale in this business was a $1.3 million condo up in St. Pete. Mm -hmm. It's not and a bad place to start, by the way. It's not no. a bad place to Good start, <laughs> but your thoughts on that process may help future brokers. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I we've had several commercial transactions um, even just in the most recent year but have done a lot of that over the years and um, we've had a developer run into for instance eagles nests on a property that you know that ended up causing a lot of issues and, and challenges time-wise and ended up ultimately killing the deal with some other variables but you know there's just a lot of random uh, variables that you know I don't know maybe if anything comes to mind that you could elaborate on further things that you've seen um, you know, with commercial, there's environmental concerns a lot mm -hmm. of times. Um, you know, if the property was used as a gas station or car repair shop, boat repair shop, you know, you're going to want to do an environmental study on that. Mm -hmm. That can have a hiccup on the transaction. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, what else recently? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Well, I think if you could address the fact that sellers want to sell the future of the property, Buyers want to buy today. Today, mm -hmm. yeah. There's a today's lot of income. Today's yeah. opportunity. Yeah, mm -hmm. you you do see some people, you know, listing for a future price. You know, maybe there's a development opportunity on a site, so they want, 
you know, this much for it, or it's going to be worth this much in the future. Right. Um, but the buyers, as Ken just said, they don't want to pay, you know, $10 million for the future because we don't know what the future holds. Right. So the things that sell, uh, you know, quickly and most efficiently are the things that are priced right. I mean, that's still very apparent today, even in the residential market. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I would say most gas stations and average locations, those are going for about a million dollars, give or take. Is that fair to say? And um, just out of curiosity, from a buyer's perspective, what does the due diligence reports and things cost for um, them to inspect a property like that? Yeah, we refer to that as pursuit costs okay. for the buyer. Mm-hmm. And there's a myriad of things. You, first off, if you're going to get a bank loan, they require that you do a phase one. Mm-hmm. The phase one says, in particular, has this property ever been used in a way that could have created an environmental problem? Mm-hmm. A gas station, you'd already know that's sure. true. Yes. You don't need a consultant to tell us that. However, you go through the process, phase one. Then the phase two, in which they go in and test the soils and make certain that there are no environmental issues in the soils. Mm-hmm. And if there are, has it gone to the water table? How is it moving? Which direction is it moving? How bad is it? Is it can you clean it up easily? Mm-hmm. And when environmental problems first came into the and impacted the marketplace, nobody knew anything. Mm-hmm. Today there are systems and there are skilled consultants that get us through these. I recently sold a 10,000 square foot building up in Tampa that had an environmental issue. Okay. But because I had good consultants, I was able to see that that environmental issue was actually clear, could be cleared up within a matter of months. I see. And so the buyer bought it, put insurance on the environmental issues, and mm-hmm. cleaned it up. And in 60 days, they had a clean site and raised and improved the value of that property enormously because mm-hmm. nobody wanted to touch it because of the environmental issues. Mm-hmm. So being smart helps in yeah. those situations. So I'm off track a little bit. So you go to contract, you study the condition of the building, you study the condition of the property, you mm-hmm. do a phase one, a phase two, you make certain that if there's a tenant there that you understand who the tenant is, are they going to pay rent in the future? You go to your bank, you start your banking process, there's an appraisal that needs to be done. Commercial mm-hmm. appraisals take longer than residential appraisals. Right and are more extensive, you then go into the closing process. Typically that's another 15 to 30 to 45 days depending on the complexity of the deal and how long it's going to take for the bank to get through their underwriters and get everything approved Mm -hmm. and all the boxes checked. I see. And what typically does a phase one cost? I mean, I, I mean, I know it varies greatly depending. It does on the, vary greatly yeah. depending on the complexity and the the history of the property, but a couple of grand, two thousand okay. dollars maybe, and then the phase two could cost anywhere from two thousand to five thousand to ten thousand, mm-hmm. depending on how many times they need to poke holes in the ground and do the testing and how deep that testing is. 
Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Just curious about you know some of those reports, and I know that uh, buyers are as well, and uh, and agents considering this. So so we're going to switch gears now, and I'd love to talk a little bit more, probably most relating to multifamily, but it really applies to any income pro- producing property. But you know when when you're representing a buyer, most sellers or and their agents have a pro forma of the income of that property mm-hmm. that they provide. You know how how do you interpret that and process that? Well, most of the time you get a nice package from the seller. Um, which, you know, is a breakdown, it's a rent roll of uh, what each tenant's paying for what unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you proof that. You, I put in an Excel spreadsheet, it's pretty much what everyone uses, and you go through and put the income in. You have a line for vacancy. Normally, we're using about 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, the banks are going to require that you put something in for vacancy, sure. 5 to 8%. Um, and then, you know, there's other income. And then on the expense side, when we represent the buyers, Things you want to look at are what the new tax implications are going to be, because a lot of times these properties are selling for way more than they did, you know, 10 years ago or whatever the tax number is from. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put the new tax line in, the new expenses, new expense line, you know, what everything's going to cost, mm-hmm. and then you get your NOI from there. Mm-hmm. But, Which is a net yeah. operating income That's for right. people not familiar with the vernacular. So, <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing is that you're not accepting the numbers that are provided at surface value? Uh, you are. You're accepting their numbers, but you want to prove everything. Right. And the expenses, you know, they're definitely going to go up for the right. most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everyone runs their property a little bit differently. So a lot of mm-hmm. owners may maybe defer a lot of maintenance. Sure. Whereas the new buyer may want to put a bunch of money into capital expenditures and making the property nicer and then eventually raising the rents. So mm-hmm. you have your, you know, your current pro forma, what you're currently getting, you know, your current expenses, and then you can make a new column for, you know, what you're planning on doing. If the rents are below market, you know, you might raise them a couple hundred bucks to boost your NOI. Mm -hmm. Very good. Is there anything else that comes to mind that's um, particularly unique about commercial as it relates to being a residential agent? Um, I think it's more creative. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely less strict guidelines on how you can do things. So Mm -hmm. I think it's more creative. There's more ways to make a deal. Mm-hmm. And, and more uses for each individual asset class, too. Exactly. You know, industrial is a broad category, mm-hmm. as is office space. And, the, you know, they're not all investors that are buying commercial real estate, obviously. There's mm-hmm. a lot of owner users out there, mm-hmm. um, and those are fun to work with as well. Sure. So um, if we could maybe now pivot um, to the joint venture and partnership that we've created um, with the Preferred Shore commercial entity, so what are some of your thoughts as to what we'll be offering to realtors here at our company? Well, the, going specifically to your earlier question of how does an existing residential broker dabble or shift or deal with commercial, mm-hmm. the questions are different. The timing is different. The opportunities to solve problems are different. So the good news is that in this partnership, we've got a team with the three of us that we have experience, we have smart people, and we have people that are creative mm-hmm. and that are busy in the marketplace understanding how to solve today's problems with today's answers. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. So if I were a young agent trying to join a company, I would take a look, hard look at Preferred Shore because uh, I shouldn't have said a young agent. I should have said a new agent, my fault. <laughs> um, I would join a company that had this team, not only because I like you guys, but because we have the dedication and the intention to make certain that we are smart 
future brokers in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. I couldn't we'll have said that better. Questions. Sarasota, St. We'll Pete, advise. Tampa. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Couldn't couldn't have said that better. And um, what I'm excited to be able to offer and bring to the commercial marketplace is uh, my belief is that residential marketing has advanced a bit beyond what the commercial industry offers. Way beyond. So that is something that's clearly in our wheelhouse that we do, in my opinion, a much better than average job at. And to apply some of those disciplines and methods that we've developed for residential to the commercial market, I think, will be something that's quite special. Agree. I agree totally, yeah. You yeah. guys have done a pr- very good job. Thank you. Your marketing. And, and we're, we're anxious to have that because, frankly, we're not the best marketers on our <laughs> own. So this is a great opportunity for us to help our existing clients mm-hmm. adding your expertise and your platforms to the systems we've already used. Yeah, and I, I think it's fair to qualify, too, that your practice has been relating mostly to buyers to help source and, and find, good need, you know, find good fits for specific needs, things like that. Whereas um, Jason's desire is to get more into the listing end of and, and creating you know, compelling offerings and marketing them properly. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of yes. the direction that we're headed here. And being a buyer's, buyer's broker or a tenant rep, um, that requires a little different discipline than being a list and sell broker. Mm-hmm. A list and sell broker has takes a look at that future value, takes a look at how do we capitalize on that? How do we share in the future value that's been created today but not been realized? Mm-hmm. Where my job is to come in as a buyer's broker or a tenant rep and to make certain that we do things that are going to benefit that future. Mm-hmm. And that's the advantage of being my age is I have that, uh, that long-term view. Mm-hmm. I've seen leases go 20 years. I've seen mm-hmm. leases go 10 years. I know what yeah. happens when they, that occurs. Yeah. I know what language to put into a, today's lease to protect against future. And we all mm-hmm. think, oh, I'll be here three to five years. No, it can be 20, 25 years. I go back yeah. to some of the shopping centers I developed. I'm astounded at the ch- both the changes, but also some of the consistencies that are still there. Yeah, there's a saying I love that the, the new broom sweeps clean, the old broom knows where the dirt is. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and definitely true because, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of a, a pup, I guess, in, in age, but I've got almost 20 years of real estate experience as a, as, a, as a realtor and even started in real estate prior to that. But I have a lot of miles on me, and, you know, there's things I know today that, you know, you can read all the books you want to read, but you just can't know certain yeah, things yep. without some <clears throat> practical experience and application. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, is there anything else that's coming to mind here that we'd like to share? Or should we, uh, you know, one thing that, that I'd like to mention that everybody can look forward to is continued commercial trainings, um, you know, at least on a, on a monthly basis, if not more often. Um, definitely opportunities for agents to get some mentorship, some training, um, some guidance, some help with pro formas, all of these things. But um, Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. Jason's now teaching a class about how to invest. What does investment mean? What are the buzzwords? You know, the language is different than residential. And Jason started teaching a course periodically, once a quarter, and going through how that, how do we build those things? And his experience in finance and pro forma work has created an opportunity for him to be the teacher in yeah. that room. Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely have some more of those for the preferred preferred shore agents and yeah. yeah.
Excellent, guys. Well, um, if nothing else for now, um, I just want to, again, restate how delighted that we are to be working together with you in this venture, and I think that it's going to add so much value to the agents and the group at large, and um, it's just going to be wonderful. We're excited about this opportunity. We're excited to explore this new future with Preferred Choice. Excellent. Extremely excited. Excellent. Well, thank you again for taking a little time to be here. And um, of course, um, we look forward to all the good stuff to come. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, we'll be reaching out again with more great information soon. Have a great day, everybody.